My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is Samantha Grierson and what a woman she is. Now, not only is she the group strategy director for HomeServe, but more excitingly, she is also a playwright. She has a real passion for autism based on her own personal experience and she's a mum of three. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Samantha, welcome to the show. Hello, good morning, good to talk to you. Now, we are on lockdown, and so you might hear birds singing in the background and dogs barking and doorbells ringing, so bear with us. Yeah. <laughs> but Samantha, I wanted to start, if it's okay with you, by asking you about your, what I call, shake your pom-poms moment. So this idea of you being your own cheerleader and sharing with us your three proudest moments. Wow, okay. Okay, so if I think about three proudest moments, they, they come from different aspects of my of my life. I think the first one was probably being able to have a, a civil partnership as it, as it were, was back then before we could get married as same-sex couples. So I think growing up not knowing I could get married, be, being gay, I think it was a, a really exciting to be able to have a civil partnership and have that acknowledged. So that was probably really a big moment for me. Second one, um, sort of on a similar note, was was having children and 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 being able to kind of legally be a birth parent on the birth certificate. I think my three kids has massively changed my life and my outlook on on the world. Um, <laughs> three children is a lot of children. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think um, having having children was massively influ- uh, influential for me. And then my, my third one, as you alluded to, was recently p- publishing my play and having that arrive on the doorstep. I don't think there's anything more exciting than seeing a box being delivered by someone and you slice it open and, and there's your... As you, as you as you probably know yourself as, as you know that's you you've published it so yeah yeah they're probably my three most uh, outstanding moments yeah and they are some outstanding moments now tell me how old are your children so I, I have an eight-year-old girl and I have twins that are five that are nearly about to come six and they're going to have to have their birthday party on lockdown so oh. selling that to them <laughs> zoom lockdown party exactly it's going to be fabulous <laughs> so definitely a busy household on top of all of the the um, fantastic work that you do with home serve as well but I'm really excited to know more about the play so tell us all about it how did it come about and and what you know what was the inspiration for it so back in January I went on a writing retreat and it was rainy and it was cold proper good atmospheric weather as you'd need for a writer so I was basically locked in a barn for a week in Dorset and I 
I was kind of kind of pushing some ideas around um, halfway through the week. And then I had this a light bulb moment on Wednesday lunchtime about this character who could tell my story for me about what it's like to have a, a diagnosis of autism later in life, especially as a woman, because um, autism traits are very different for women than for men. You get a lot of stereotypes on, on, the, on the TV about Rain Man and being able to yes. be like Einstein and do these mathematical equations in midair and things like that. And I, I kind of I find that a bit frustrating. So, so I was in this barn, it was raining, and I sat down and I just conceived this character called Crocodile because she's the name of it. She's, you, don't, you have to read the play to see why. But um, she's the main character. She's called Crocodile. And really how she battles with, you know, dealing with the fact that she's, she's been labelled autistic, even though she knew she was always different. And then, and then unfortunately, her, her mom dies during that period. So you've got the whole grief thing that she's dealing with. Goodness. So there's a lot going on. And it's very fast-paced. And I, it's written in a very much autistic, hyper-focused ADHD style. And I literally wrote the entire play in 9,000 plus words in two days. I literally sat wow. down. And wrote the play. That's prolific. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so this was literally just in January. In January, yeah. And here we are in April, and yes. you've already had it published. Uh, yeah, I did that within probably three weeks. And I'm now working with a couple of production companies, Act for Autism and what's it called now act for autism and uh, independent films and we're looking at making it into a short movie for you know like Cannes film festival london film festival probably about a 40 minute film to really kind of get across what it's like so i've got the play format and i'm really excited about getting it on a stage yeah i'd really really like to do that obviously we're interesting times at the moment we're all locked down and can't go to uh-huh. theater but i'd really really like to um experience it in a theater setting because i'd like to feel people's reactions because it's a very very high octane kind of play but it's then it's really going to help people, isn't it? it I, I think so. And it's interesting because I've you know, had quite a lot of feedback from autistic people and neurotypical people. And they've said to me, this is brilliant because I, I'm learning what autism is without reading a medical journal. I don't want to sit down and read all these symptoms, all these traits or, or whatever. I, I want to understand it. And I think because I, I kind of get it across in a play and, and it's brutal at times. And people have said to me, it's really sad and you know, it made them get really upset, but at the same time, it's it's really um, uplifting and encouraging. So, yeah, I just wanted to get that kind of emotional roller coaster across. Yeah, and you're creating that connectivity between the reality of living with it, and and you mentioned that idea of feeling different, and you've mentioned that obviously you are gay and that you have been diagnosed with autism. So, two reasons why, when you were growing up, you must have felt yes. perhaps different to other people, and particularly based on you know where you are in the world now in terms of age and what was accepted and what wasn't accepted back in our childhoods. Yes. So, what was it actually like for you? And and when you say you felt different, what does that mean? I think when you're a kid, you kind of instinctively know you're different, but you don't really understand why. And I think other kids are really good at picking up that difference as well. Like other kids are really good at going, hang on, something, something a bit, something a bit different about you. I think I used to read an awful lot, and you know, crocodile reads encyclopedias in in the play, and I did indeed read encyclopedias. Um, and I think I think I just. I used to burrow myself into books and into into different worlds and I've always liked writing and creative writing and kind of get, getting into that and I, I think that's probably where I escaped until I was old enough. I, I think till university, because you're allowed to be yourself at university and the, the, the difference between school and university, I mean, growing up gay, gay alone, you know, back in the early 90s in Yorkshire mm. and, and being kind of out as gay, even though I didn't actually stand up and say I was gay but it was it was known so I think that was quite challenging back in the 90s but I've always been well this is me if you don't like it oh well 
I so, love it. <laughs> you know, I just have always had that. And, and crocodile, again, crocodile's about being audacious and being herself. And I think that's a really important message. Whoever you are, just show up and be yourself. Yes. Don't try and hide behind the mask. No, exactly. And it definitely hasn't stopped you from being successful because you hold a really successful role and your career is, you know, full of, of success. And I, you know, I read on your um, on your bio that you are really highly qualified in HR, as well as being the strategy director for HomeServe. So you've, you've achieved all of this success. Did you always know that you would? I've always, always done what I've wanted to do and what's occurred to me. So I've never let anything hold me back. And I have to have to say this because I can be quite blunt being autistic, but I'm really not arrogant. And sometimes I say things and they can come across as arrogance because I just get hyper-focused. Yeah. It can sound like arrogant. And I'm, I really, really hope, hope you don't think that, but I just, I guess it in my head, this is what I want to do. And I will just work out a way of doing it. And I will just relentlessly carry on and, and pursue and just put my energy behind it. So when I was when I was at school, if people said you couldn't do that, I'd be like, well, watch me. And I've always kind of had that attitude because I need to do what I want to do. There's something in me that I can't do what I don't do. So I've always found methods. If I haven't had money, I've got three jobs. I've, I've never let money hold me back. I've never let other people's opinions of me hold me back. I've just kind of gone, mm, we'll see about that. And just because... I think life is massively interesting. There are so many opportunities out there and I, I've always done everything that's occurred to me and everything that I've wanted to do. I just go do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's never really held me back. I think it's, I think my hyper-focus and my ability to just problem solve around everything and just keep going has, has kind of protected me, if you like. So you've got this kind of relentless drive, but it also sounds like you're very outcome focused in that you obviously see a vision of what you want. You're not quite sure how you're going to get there, but but you're relentless in the pursuit of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I sat down to write Crocodile, I I just thought this is going on a stage and it, and, and you know, it will happen. I, you can come back to me and, you know, ex, I have no doubt. Ex- <laughs> you know, it will, cause you have to believe that. I, I just think you have to believe that. And then you just make it happen. You just, you, I think you only limit yourself by thinking it won't happen. And I don't have self doubts again, not because I'm arrogant, but just because I think I'll just, I'll just make it happen. I'll just keep going and, and find a way. Exactly. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing to hear because so many women in particular do have that doubt that holds them back and what you're showing us is that actually if you can get over that wall you can achieve anything I mean you know there must have been a reason why you went to that retreat in January yeah and you went into it perhaps not knowing that crocodile was coming out of it but it has you've made it happen and and now you're determined it's going to be successful and and that that drive is what is going to make you successful, I would say. Yeah. I think you say the women women thing. Other women have said this to me. Oh, I wouldn't dare do what you do. You know, I look at a job description and I, I hit six of the 10 criteria and I think I'm not going to apply for this. You might hit four and think game on. Because I do, because I think, well, I can do four of them. I can Google two of them. And two of them are similar to something else. How hard can it be? So I just, you know, I just think let's, let's have a go. And I also think giving a damn and being passionate can get you through a lot of stuff anyway so if I can't do something I could talk to the people I could do research on it but at the end of the day I think if you want to do something it's much more powerful than the 12 courses you've been on Mm -hmm. the desire to do something is, is much stronger for me 
Yeah, totally. And I I can relate to that completely. And I guess what I'm keen to understand then is knowing that you come from that place of self-belief and that relentless pursuit of going after what you want. Have you experienced adversity along the way that has has held you back at times? And and if you have, what have you learned from that? I I think... One of the biggest and most recent things that happened to me is I was working at Carillion when unfortunately the the business collapsed and I'd gone in very, very late in the day to help the board and the executive do culture change and transformation. And it was, it, you know, it, I, I was not joining until, gosh, was it September, October and it collapsed in the sort of December into the January. So, it, you know, it was a bit too late, but I think being a part of that amazing team was was kind of life-altering for me and then to get the phone call to say you don't come in anymore you know and and I got three kids and I paid the mortgage my 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 wife at the time didn't work so it was all on me and I had no money and they owed me money you know it's one of those stories and I had to start again and, and nobody can get a job in January it's really really tough oh. in January and you know it's it's all those things it's really really horrible and to try and stay chipper and not let your kids know and mm. you know and an even keel I think that was really 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 challenging for me but I just dusted myself off I looked at my my Lean Six Sigma skills I started looking at could I run boot camps could I do yes. things independently so I did some boot camps and taught green belt courses in two or three days and got people through that and I, I just looked at what else could I do and what other opportunities were out there so I didn't let it get me down it was tough I'll be honest with you it was the toughest thing I had to go through that was a real big tough battle but you just have to keep going and say well what else is there now what else can I do what what can I turn my skills to and just reinvent yourself and I think I've done that quite a few times so yeah that agility to say what does the market need and how, what skills have I got to fit yes. into that or indeed what skills have I haven't got that I can I can muster up and, and go and get yeah exactly and on those days when it was tough during that period or indeed during any period of your life what exactly do you do to help you to get out of that funk on a physical sense, I had a hot tub in the garden, which really helps. Oh. <laughs> There's something about water for me, hot water particularly. Yeah. Honestly, I think it really, really helps relax you physically and relax you mentally. And uh, if you haven't got a hot tub, I haven't at the moment, but hot bath, I really, for me, it's massively restorative. I really like listening to audiobooks. Again, I've always been a big reader, but I think it takes your brain out because you've got to listen mm. to it as well. So I think listening to audiobooks really, really helps. And I think playing with the kids... Just seeing that that part of you that's bigger than you, that, you know, you take yourself too seriously sometimes and they're massively grounding and they make me laugh at myself and I need that too. So I think just when things get tough, I mean, like they are now, just keep it simple and just really think about what matters to you personally. And on the book front then, are you fiction or are you non-fiction as a preference? Uh, in terms of reading, I like fiction. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like fiction. I'm reading um, uh, Virginia Woolf's Orlando at the moment. Well, it's on an audiobook at, at the moment. That's my my thing at the moment. But I love reading. It's, it's massively important to me, having stories in my head, yeah. somewhere else to go. So we're going to get some more plays from you then. Yeah, I've just written play, an isolation play. The BBC did a competition for a short isolation play. So I worked that out a couple of hours last week. Um, <laughs> so, like that. Yeah, I've, I'm through a novel. I've, I've done 55,000 words of a novel. I'll finish that at some point. So yeah, I think, yeah, writing's going to carry on. That will carry on. So in terms of this kind of dealing with the tough times, it's about relaxation, connecting with your kids, just getting back to those things that life is all about. But what about on the flip side of that? What about on those days when you, you know, need to show up, 
be really motivated. You know, you might have a big meeting at work or a presentation or a meeting with a client. What do you do to make sure that you're at the top of your game? I absolutely love adrenaline. I don't mean like I jump out of airplanes every day, even though I have. But I mean, I, I love I love the adrenaline of that that chase. I love job interviews. They're my favorite thing in the world to do. I love the adrenaline of having to think on your feet much better than having to prepare. I, I love thinking on my feet. So I'm the kind of person, the night before an exam, I don't revise. I okay. don't. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yes. I'm done. I, I need to like, and, and let the adrenaline and let the fear take over a little bit because I think that for me anyway, it heightens my game. It makes it a bit more exciting. And, and I do kind of like, I do kind of like that buzz. So I think I go with that. I think I like to encourage that feeling rather than start trying to stay calm. It's never, it's never going to work for me. I'm not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do calm, but um, I think just embrace the adrenaline, embrace the drama and, and, and enjoy it. Have a good time because the other side of it, I think it's great to look back on these experiences and think, oh, wow, do you remember when I went in and nailed that and winged that? And I enjoy it. Enjoy the adrenaline. So that's an interesting point you make. You often look back at things that you've achieved and anchor yeah. the feeling from that achievement yes. to help you drive into another achievement. Definitely, definitely. I, I was on a startup when I was at Travis Perkins. We were building a, a startup company and we were in a warehouse locked away, secret squirrels. And there are so many occasions that it was massively exciting and exhilarating having to pitch stuff to the board new concepts it was so so exciting that when I'm losing my mojo now in real life if I'm struggling I think back to that and I think what was it about that that I liked what was it that gave me that buzz and then try build that in again because I need that fix you know I need that kind of feel good feeling because I know what it feels like I think to myself right let's let's get that again and try and recreate some of that in my my job or my life so I can feed myself so you're really flooding your whole physiology with that feeling yes. and then that allows you to show up in that way. I yeah. mean, it's just, a, you know, anchoring is so powerful if you can get into it. And you're doing, I mean, you're doing everything that I would encourage my clients to do that, visualizing the outcome, you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, anchoring feelings from when you've done well. So, I mean, you are just fabulous. <laughs> fabulous, <you>. darling. <laughs> now, one of the things, I, I mean, this this wouldn't be a conversation I would have with with most of my guests but you've mentioned the civil partnership you've mentioned the fact that you've grown up being gay and knowing that from a very young age it'd be really good to understand how that has impacted your career and how I guess more recently whether that is easier you know and and whether that people are more accepting of that than they perhaps were 10 15 even 20 years ago and just how that's impacted you from a career perspective yeah, I, I think I've always been out at work, regardless, even for my first job way back when, when I was sort of 21, 22. I'm sort of not in your face, gay. I don't walk around with badges on particularly, but if anyone ever asks me about partners, I'll say she rather than dodging the pronouns. So I've kind of always been out there. I forget that I'm gay and I forget that it's interesting potentially to some people. And I have to remind myself that I am different. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I just, I'm a bit kind of just breeze through everything and don't worry about it too much. So, and I'd never really done anything for the LGBT community until the last sort of 12, 18 months when I was work, when I've been working at home serve and I took on the lead role, it became an opportunity where they didn't have a chair. And I said, look, I'll do it. I said, but fasten your seatbelts because we're going to really do this if I'm going to be the chair. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, so 
and we did we went within six months we were rainbow tastic we had policies on everything we were you know joining stonewall we were we had um pride events we had we sponsored pride in warsaw we absolutely smashed it the engagement has been absolutely phenomenal and when people come up to you at work and say i've come out as gay and i'm 50 odd for the first time in my working career i've come out as gay because of this Honestly, myself and John, a colleague I was working with, we just got goosebumps on our arms just because, you know, when people come up to the same, my daughter's transitioning at the moment. I just been my best mate's wedding and he's just married his boyfriend. And all of a sudden at work, people talking about being gay and what does pansexual mean? And, you know, like imagine, and I, I can't even imagine 20 years ago. People oh my God, even yes. talking about it. But I think being, being the chair at, um, at Home Serve LGBT has been massively transformative for me personally, putting myself out there. I, I remember I had a bit of a confidence crisis about three or four months in after I started doing it because I'd come out so gay and so bold and so raw because I needed to to get the momentum. Yes, Had yes. to personally put myself out there having never done this before. And about three or four months in, I remember saying to my boss, I remember saying, have I made a mistake? Because I can't go back in the closet. I can't undo any of this. Like, I'm all over LinkedIn. I'm a crazy gay person. <laughs> and, and I said, is this going to affect my career? You know, like, have I made a mistake? You know, and I really had that wobble that went, is being authentic, can it be dangerous? Have, uh-huh. have I torpedoed myself? And, and he was massively supportive and absolutely not, Sam, you've been a role model, blah, blah, blah. And then I got the promotion a few months later and I thought, yes. wow, no, this is good. Um, not obviously because of my being LGBT, but it didn't hold me back. And I think... yes. I think it's important to say to people, you know, when you're standing out there and you're putting yourself forward, it's not because you're massively confident all the time and that this is just natural and I'm just going to say this stuff. You do wobble yourself, you know. You you do have those moments where you go, what am I doing? Should I have done this? And it's natural to have a wobble, but I think those wobbles make you stronger because I'm glad I wobbled because after the wobble, I was like, no, this is exactly the thing I should do. And look at the difference it's making to real people's lives every day coming out being themselves at work, mm-hmm. you know, transgenders on, uh, you know, on the kind of the policy agenda. Now we, we're putting loads of things in place and then wider than home serve, connecting with other organisations and helping them. It's been fantastic. And that authenticity, it is really, really difficult to be truly authentic. And that's where the wobble comes from, isn't it? It's that kind of, oh shit moment, if you yeah. like, yeah. That, that happens, but you've pushed through that. Yes. And as a result of that authenticity, the inner confidence grows and grows and grows. And it's probably a good time then to talk about vulnerability as well, because I'm always keen to ask guests what they believe is the meaning of vulnerability, because I think lots of people make it mean different things. So in your mind, what do you think it's all about? About being vulnerable? I think it's it's exposing yourself, isn't it? And I think, you know, quite often we're meant to project this really shiny, positive image where everything's rosy in my house and, you know, I, I don't have any washing up on the draining board and I don't have any problems <laughs> and everything's perfect. And I mean, that's absolute totally. nonsense. It, it's nonsense, you know? And so I think, you know, making yourself vulnerable is about admitting I can't do this or I struggled to get out of bed this morning or when I got this feedback on a paper I'd written, it made me feel like this. And yeah. and it's okay. It's okay to say I feel rubbish. It's okay to say I can't do this. I have no problem in saying I can't do it, but I know we're supposed to present this image of bomb proof, you know, gung ho every single day. And it's nonsense. We don't feel like that every single day. We have to talk to ourselves. We have to talk to our mates. Yes. And our family. And we have to pick ourselves up. It's and that's okay. It's normal. Yeah, I like that. 
and, and and I guess based on that then what what you're saying is that you know the things that you're perhaps not as good at and whilst you've got this drive to go and do it anyway what would you say in terms of surrounding yourself with people what traits would they have that would complement yours so there's two real traits I need to be successful and to get the best out of me and one of them is I'm not very good with crowds of people I'm, I'm good one-to-one with people but it's one of my things I'm really not good in crowds I'm not good at jumping into conversations and you know I don't quite know when in a conversation is the right time to jump in when there's a crowd talking etc so whenever I've been to events it's good to have somebody with me that's more gregarious than me that can go and have that initial chat and then bring me into conversations and stuff so the kind of social side is is not natural to me I'm naturally would try to leg it (laughs) and then and then the other side of me is probably the, the kind of the detail side and the you know, tying down detail. I'm a big concept, energetic concept person. (laughs) And it's like detail. I need someone to go, okay. And this little thing here, I'm like, yeah, 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 fine. So there's sort of the areas, if I'm building a team, I look for people who can help me and I can help them. And I think, you know, between three or four of you, you can just completely support each other. So how do you do that with your play then? Because I'm guessing that there are some of the details in the play that you'd need to be really connected to and understanding. Do you have somebody that you bounce your ideas off? I do. I do very much so. And I think by by giving it to my trusted my trusted advisors and friends um, uh-huh. and, and partners, et cetera, and passing that around, I, I get the, the feedback that I need. Because I know when I first wrote Crocodile, it was quite brutal, in a quite unrealistic way, <laughs> brutally brutal. And, and I kind of softened her a bit because of yeah. the plausibility of relationships. And so that that social dynamic was really helpful to get some feedback on because I get very focused and, you know, kind of honed in on an idea. And the thing is, I absolutely don't mind feedback. I'm absolutely great with it because they're just blind spots, aren't they? And I yeah, think absolutely. I, I don't get precious if people feed it back. I'm, I'm really relieved because otherwise, what's the alternative? You know, you, you you put it out there and it's and it's got um kind of gaps and stuff in it. So yeah, definitely have to play things back through people. And just tell me on the on the playwright stuff, can people access copies of the play? Now? Yeah, if you just yeah, if you just type in Samantha Grierson into Amazon or Crocodile, you might have to put Samantha Grierson Crocodile, but yeah, just any of those words Amazon. in Amazon. It's a Kindle. I think it's like it's 99p. I wanted to put it free, but you couldn't. And so I ended up having to put it for 99p because I just wanted to get it out there. Yeah. I thought, what's the, what's the easiest way to distribute this? And loads of people were asking for me. And I was getting sick of emailing PDFs out. So I said, right, I'll just stick it on Amazon, cheap as yeah. I physically can because I, I don't want to make money out of it. But so I stuck it on as a, as a Kindle book. And then people, particularly some autistic people, were sort of um, contacting me on Facebook and saying, I can't read Kindle. Can you do it physical? So then I ended up having to work out how to make a physical book out of it. That's on there. It's, again, it's like six quid or something like that. Brilliant. So people can get it off Amazon, Samantha Grierson, Crocodile. Yes. And I'll put the, the link in the um, show notes as well. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, we're at the time in the podcast, Samantha, where we play the five second game rule. Oh, gosh. And this is where you have to give me three answers within five seconds to a few questions that I'm going to ask you. Are you up for it? Of yes, course that's... you are. Of course. <laughs> gosh. Okay. So, Samantha, in the five second game rule, I'd like you to give me three things that you are grateful for that's easy so my children obviously number one because they keep me grounded and down to earth my parents who've always stuck by me through lots of scrapes and dramas that I have got through and also I would say oh 
I grateful? Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I'm grateful for my best friend because she's been through lots and lots of drama herself. We've been friends since I was four. And, oh. and she... She doesn't demand a lot of me. And we have those relationships where we don't maybe even talk to each other for three or four months. And then we're kind of really kind of intense with each other again. And she she lets me be me. And, let you know what I mean? Lets me just kind of do my own thing. And she's she's fantastic. And, yeah, I'd say my best friend. Yeah, big up to the best friend. <laughs> Love that. And in the five-second game rule, can you give me three things that you would take to a desert island? Well, it would have to be green tea because I literally can't live without green tea. <laughs> I am massively addicted. I've had to move to decaf green tea because I'm so addicted. Um, <laughs> and it's full of caffeine and I don't need more caffeine. So I would say, I would say that I would say I'd take a book and I would take The Count of Monte Cristo as a book. Very nice. Because I absolutely love that book. It's a swashbuckling adventure <laughs> story. Perfect for Desert Island. And I absolutely love it. And I think a third thing that I would take with me. Um, am I allowed to take headphones and music? Is that allowed? You can. Well, can I? Can I have Spotify? That's really cheating, isn't it? Because <laughs> then I can have. We can, we can let you have Spotify. Because I really, really, I, I like putting my earphones in and shutting the world out. And I, I think that would be really important to be able to still do that. That's part of the escape. Yes. Shame you can't take the hot tub as well. I know. Well, I was thinking it was a sea of sea. sea well, this is true. This is true. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful, clear blue sea stretching out in front of you. Now, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and, and your honesty and your openness really shines through. And, and I can't wait to hear what the answer is to this killer question as we come to the end of the podcast. And, and the question is, in your mind and in your view, what's the secret to success? I think giving a damn. I really do think giving a damn because whenever in my life I've been involved in something that I've not really bought into and I thought, really? I don't think this is going to work. I think I've struggled to pull it off and, and make it succeed. And I think if you really want to succeed, you've got to give a damn, completely get behind it, heart and soul, and just give it your all. So yeah, I'd say just give a damn. Oh, I love that. I mean, that is like you could see a hashtag on the front of it. It is so simple and yet actually needs so much energy and so much passion and, and purpose to make that happen, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, literally half an hour has whizzed by. I don't know whether it has for you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving your time and, and all of your insights. And, and as I said, being so honest and open, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will, too. Brilliant. Angela, great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Cheers. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.